Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. I love the fact that, that, that we do have holidays that punctuate our calendar. Some people despise that and you know, they've kind of got an attitude about that. I think, well, even the world had wisdom enough to go ahead and put some days in there so that we would remember people that are important in our lives. And so I like to embrace those things and, and not, not to despise them and take advantage of that. You know, there's not just one way of parenting. I don't know if you've ever noticed that or not, but just, just like there's not just one type of child, all of our children are so different. They have different personalities, you know, personality types. They, they're just wired up differently. So there's not like just one standard set of, of ways to parent. And so there's not just one type of parent either. It, ta- it takes ingenious ingenuity, creativity, perseverance, en- lots of energy. It takes an awful lot to be a successful parent. You really do have to think on your feet. Uh, the Bible, however, has a lot to say when it comes to principles and what we would just call wisdom when it comes to parenting. And this is number four, I believe it is, in our series, Boys and Girls, which is a series on relationship. And I want to dedicate this particular message, of course, to fathers, but also to parenting. And there's a lot of wisdom that we can all take in out of the Word of God when it comes to what we're going to share this morning. So I want you to really lean into that. If you've got uh, parents that are that are with you still that haven't passed on to heaven or wherever, uh, I want you to really take note of some of these things. And if you are a parent, of course, I want you to uh, to really lean in as well. When it comes to honoring parents, I think it's so hard to do sometimes when our parents weren't honorable people. And I'll often talk to people about you know how was your life and what was your life. Uh, being raised up, and often you just you just hear a lot of disappointment and sometimes even anger. And, and I'm not saying that that's you know wrong to to feel those things, but somewhere along the line, we are called to be overcomers in all of these areas. I didn't have the best childhood. Uh, you know, my dad certainly didn't get it perfect, and same thing with the the women that he married. It was you know it was it was pretty rough going, and and uh, a lot of hatred had built up in my heart over many, many years that started with my mother leaving when I was three. She was an alcoholic and, uh, you know, just just bolted out of the house. I can remember knocked down, drag out arguments, even as, as, as little as three. I can remember vividly my mother jumping out of a car that was going fairly fast. I don't know how fast it was going, but she said, stop the car. My dad didn't stop. She just opened the door and out the car she went, you know, and, and uh, I can remember that just like it was yesterday, even as, a, as a, a little kid, and so it wasn't like the easiest thing for me to do when I read the, the commandment about honoring your, your, your mother and father that your days would be long in the life. I'm like, what's to honor there? Like, they stuffed my life up. I didn't have a good childhood because of that. Like, it was terrible stuff, but when I was cr- confronted with the Word of God that there was a blessing attached to that honor, I was also confronted with things like forgiveness. Uh, I was confronted with how much God loved me and how little I wanted God to hold my trespasses against me and my mistakes. 
and uh, how much forgiveness and grace that I wanted in my life? Was I willing to extend it to someone else's life? Yes, but, you know, I've never stuffed up that bad. I mean, you know, what, what happened to me was, was terrible. And perhaps you're here too, and maybe even worse stuff happened to you. I don't know. I'm not here to compare report cards, but I can honestly say that God doesn't differentiate, you know, one versus the other. And, like, that's in the too-hard basket. You're right. You know, you don't have to honor them because they were, you know, more terrible. And there's no line there uh, where God says, okay, up to this point, honor them, and then after that, don't honor them anymore. God doesn't do that with us. Aren't we glad about that? God doesn't go, okay, you know, there's sins and there's sins. These sins, uh, don't worry about it. It's covered by the cross. It has the final word. But once we get past this point here, no more coverage, man. No more insurance. You know, the premium is too high, and so therefore, we're all out on that one. So you are stuck. You're going to burn in hell for that one. Aren't you glad that God doesn't do that to you? Yeah. Well, then why would we hand that sentence to anybody, especially today being Father's Day? We just don't do that. We follow God when it comes to that. But the truth of it is, is that, and here's the big revelation, dad is only human. He's only a man with a red cape. He's, he's, he's not Superman. He's not even Batman. He's probably not, you know, Bruce Wayne or Clark Kent. He, he honestly is a man with no superpowers. And being a man like any man, like any human being, He's going to mess up, and, and sometimes even worse, and sometimes it's a generational mess up because he was taught the wrong thing, and then uh, granddad was taught the wrong thing, and great-granddad, it goes all the way back. But somewhere in there, somebody has to break that generational curse. Why not be you? I decided it was going to be me. I was going to break it. That thing wasn't going to go any further. Divorce was not going to be part of the family plan for the Luther family here in Australia, and it hasn't been. Has it been a piece of cake? No. <laughs> Never a piece of cake, you know? Sometimes it's just hard work, and sometimes it's doing, you know, everything that you can to stay and stick through things and, and work things out, but that's the way it is. But I hear people all the time, and, and they refer to their heavenly father, and then they kind of look at dad, and then they kind of skirt past him and go back to the heavenly father, and then they line him up. Uh, almost like comparing him to the heavenly father. Who wants to be compared to God anyway when it comes to the standard of behavior? Man, like talk about big shoes to fill. I don't want to have to fill those shoes in my own. I know out of my weaknesses and by following him, he'll give me whatever it takes. But my goodness, you know, I'm not God. That's why he says, don't call anybody father, as in there's only one father in heaven, the author of life, the author of the universe, because another word for father is author. There's only one person that authored life, and that's God. And, and your dad, he's not God. So don't draw a comparison between him and God, between a man and the divine. He, your, 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 your father in heaven is seated on a throne. Think about this for a moment. He's got... A quazillion angels at his disposal. 
He's got streets that are paved with transparent gold. He's got singing trees. He's got rivers of living water. He's got, you know, followers in the billions. He's got so, you know, so much wealth that it's even silly to even think of a, a comparison here on earth. He's got, he's omnipotent, fancy word for all-powerful. He is omniscient, fancy word again for all-knowing. Our, our God is he's omnipresent, another fancy theological word that means he's everywhere. But your dad is not all-powerful. Your dad is not all-knowing, and your dad is not omniscient. Although as a teenager, you come, sometimes feel like he's omniscient, he's always there. But he's not. He's not all of those things. Only God is. Your dad has to walk on earth. Your dad, your dad is busy, you know, with his own baggage. He's fighting his own demons that were passed down to him and, and probably most of the time feeling like a failure in life. Well, I've got good news for you dads here. This is a family. This is a household of faith. We are here to celebrate fatherhood. We are here to tell you we're not comparing you with our heavenly father. We're going to accept you the way that you are, warts and all, and we're here to stick it out with you as a family. We believe in God in you, and we believe that you can do it, and we're here to shoulder that. And I would say well done to dad. We're here to honor you. Well, the result for me for honoring my dad, my earthly dad, is 40 years later, the guy got saved. R rang him uh, a couple weeks ago, and he said, yeah. And he said, son, he says, I'm just like one book away from reading the Bible through cover to cover. I don't know many people that have done that. My dear old 88-year-old dad, dad has done that now. He's done that. He says, I got some money back from the IRS. That's the American version of the ATO tax office. And he said this. He goes, you know, it was unexpected, and, and uh, they'd made a mistake, and I knew they did. He still does all of his taxes by hand. He doesn't own an iPhone or anything like that. Does, does all of his taxes by hand. Found a mistake. Took it in there. They, they gave him an extra $500. He goes, you know what I did with it, son? I'm thinking, yeah, you probably invested in, in uh, the stock market as usual. He goes, I took it to church and I put that in the offering. I, I said, God gave me the wisdom. You know, when his pocketbook gets saved, he's saved. I don't believe you're saved until your pocketbook gets saved, but that's another subject altogether. But you know somebody's saved when their pocketbook gets saved and they're no longer, you know, just living for themselves. And so the more you know your Father in heaven, the more that you will get to know your Father uh, on earth and what to do with your Father on earth. If you're a Father on earth, you need to get to know your Father in heaven because God has a lot to, uh, to share with you. You think about your Father in heaven, you can talk to him about anything. There's nothing that he can't do. Isn't that good? You just know that you can come boldly to the throne of grace in time of need, so he is 100% uh, accepting of you. That tells you a lot about attributes. He guides you. He coaches you. He teaches you. And so all of these things are, are available for us to learn. I like uh, 1 Corinthians 4. We're going to look at the scripture here because it gives us a bit of insight into what it takes to be a father of faith here. And I've just called this message this morning, Father, just plain old Father. I like it. Anyway, one word. 1 Corinthians uh, 4, it says this, verse 15. Even if you had 10,000 guardians, another translation says instructors or teachers. A lot of people want to teach people things. Not impressed. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father 
through the gospel. Now, Paul is echoing really what Abraham said, who used to be Abram, uh, and God changed his name to Abraham, father of a multitude, father of many nations, uh, even when he was childless. And, and, he, and the Bible says he is the father of us all. He authored something called faith. Abraham did. Now, Paul is authoring something here. And so he says, uh, I became, in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. How many people here would say, imitate me? <laughs> I think we all should be able to say that, to be honest. To live a life that's worth tracing out, another scripture says, trace out, follow the pattern of my life. You won't go far wrong. If you watch the way I talk, if you watch the way I act, if you uh, listen to my words and, and my vocabulary and the way I carry myself, uh, you won't go that far wrong. It's like a photocopy. You put the photocopy uh, uh, on the uh, photocopy machine. You used to do that anyway. Pull the lid down and the original's on the machine and then outspits a copy, and the copy should look like the original pretty well. But the further, the more copies that you make, the further away that it gets. If you're up to like, you know, a copy of a copy, take the copy, put that on the machine, pull the lid down, copy that one, and, and pretty soon the thing starts to fade and it doesn't quite look like the original. And, and so we have to get back to the original. We've got to get back to following Christ. If you want to have godly children that break generational curses, that don't stuff up as many times as you did perhaps, then get back to the original. Get back to your heavenly father. Start to look at the original plan for fatherhood or parenting if you're a mom here. Start to look for the original plan of of honoring mom and dad if you're a child here. Start to look for the original plan and then start to become that so that you can say to people, imitate me as I imitate him. I would like to think that every one of us has an area, an upside, if you will, in our vocabulary, in our attitude, in the way we carry ourselves, in the way that we react to pressure when we're put under pressure, when we, we react to different situations, whether it's driving a car because your kids are in the back seat, perhaps, you know, and dad, you're driving that car. Are you staying with a speed limit? Are, are you, you know, using your uh, uh, certain fingers to tell other people in the other cars what you think about them? Are you, you know, yelling, heaven forbid, I've never done any of these things in all of my years of driving a car? <sighs> Lying. Is it a sin? What are we doing? I can remember growing up, and, you know, my little sister, she looked really young, pretty well her whole life. Uh, and she could have passed as 12 years old, probably till up the time she was maybe 16 or something like that. And so we go to an amusement park and it says, you know, children under 12, get in for this, this prize, anybody over that, you know. And it was easy to say, hey, she's 12. Not a good example. Uh, a lot of bad things, you know, upbringing with, with compromise and integrity where you can, oh, it's just a little white lie. <laughs> It doesn't mean much, you know. It's just, it's going to save us, you know, $10, $15 if we just say 12 and, and even I remember one time going through, I don't know if it was Disney World or whatever it was, and the person goes, oh, she's 12. I'm sure of it. And instead of going, no, she's not. She's 16. And paying the extra money, yeah, yeah, of course. In we go. Now, what is that doing to the copy? 
What's the, what's the original looking like now that the photocopy is going to look like? Uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with some, you know, some kind of off, 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 uh, off note, off key jokes. You know, yeah, well, there is. If you, want, if you want the copy to come out, you can have a great sense of humor, but you don't need to sin and be foul about it. There's nothing wrong with, you know, Jesus got angry. His anger was justified. It was against religion. It wasn't about attacking other people. I, I think about all the things from, from the original, from following Christ. Am I imitating him close enough that I could say to anybody, imitate me? Now, I'm a pastor, so, you know, you can look at me and go, yeah, but you're Pastor Ed. And you have to do that. You're supposed to do that. When does it say in the Bible that followers of Jesus Christ don't have to, except if you're a pastor, you don't have to follow him? That, it doesn't say that. So don't put that in the Word of God. It's very, very important. John 5 says this. It says, Jesus gave them this answer. They were questioning him about why do you do these things. He says, very, very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can, only, he can do only what he sees the father doing because whatever the father does, the son does also. I've noticed that in life. Raising my son, he's got my sneeze. But you know where my sneeze came from? My sneeze came from my dad. So I listen to my dad's sneeze, and it's, it'll, it'll rock the house. Seriously, is it an earthquake or a cyclone? And then I got that sneeze. I believe this. If, you're gonna have a sne- if, if I'm going to have a sneeze, it feels so good to sneeze. Why waste something that feels that good? Seriously. So I almost blow my brains out with it because it just feels good. I don't want to hold it in like, oh, I got a sneeze coming up. If you're not around and you're not in front of me, that, that sneeze is coming out there. You'll think it's the day of Pentecost, you know. Honestly, there's going to be tongues of fire on that thing. And uh, it doesn't happen the other end, though, okay, so we're, we're safe on that one. Uh, but, you know, I listen to my son sneeze, and it's like, yep, it's just like the old man. And the old man's just like his old man. And probably, you know, Lord willing, if, if Mitch has a, has a son, he's probably going to have a loud sneeze too. Uh, he only does what he sees the father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Verse 20, for the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, he will, he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. I would like to think that our sons, fathers, that our sons amaze us because we've instilled faith in them, that we have fathered or authored something in them that we just go, that's amazing. That's my boy. That's my boy. Now, I'm talking about spiritual things, not just natural things. It's easy to get proud of your kid because they can skateboard, surf, kick a soccer ball, you know, uh, play an instrument or something like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's fantastic. Be proud of their natural abilities. But what about their character? What about the, the way that they treat young girls when all the other guys are, you know, po- posting uh, stuff on the Internet and, and, and making remarks and, and disrespecting their mothers and, and, and doing all the other stuff? What about when your son goes, you know what? We don't do that. Dad taught me better than that. And, in fact, I'm here to be a protector of, of, of women. Uh, chivalry hasn't gone out the door. In fact, the door opens still because I open it for women. I've gotten abused doing that. You know, I don't need you to open my door. Well, I need to open the door for you, so could you please let me open the door for you? 
I'm still a man. I come from another generation. Maybe I am a dinosaur, but you know what? Let the dinosaur open the door. I know that you're strong enough to open the door, but it's okay. I treat you like a lady, even though you don't act like a lady. I'm still going to be a gentleman, and it's not going to be thrown back into my face. I don't have to not be a gentleman just so that you don't have to feel like a lady. Well, I'm old-fashioned. I know that I should have been born maybe back in the 30s or something. But it's really important because as they're stepping out life and they're imitating you, we also need to do something very, very important, fathers. And listen to me, parents, and listen to me, everybody, in fact. We need to listen because listening is learning. So we need to learn to listen. It's amazing what you will find out if you'll listen long enough. Some people, they don't know a whole lot because they're talking all the time. I've had people that are like six months old in Christ, and they're telling the, you know, pastor that's in his 60s, that's been a Christian for 40 years, they're telling me, they're preaching to me all about whatever it is, and I'm like, yeah, okay, if you want to believe that, you know, if you take a, if you just take a breath, maybe I could share something with, they don't ask, they're not teachable, they're just there to teach. And listening is a very, very important skill in life. It's critical if you're a parent. If you want to be a dad that honors God, that honest, that, that, that's worth imitating, you've got to be a listener to your kids. What you will find out about your children just by listening is incredible. You will know them better than they know themselves. You will be able to impart wisdom. See, bedtime stories and prayer time in our house with Mitch growing up, that was one of the best times of the, like when night would come and he'd get his jammies on, he, he would go to, he's 25 now, so please don't, you know, oh, Dad, we share with you your jammies. You can do that if you want, but don't, but don't do it, okay? Uh, for his sake and my sake and our relationship. But, you know, I would tuck him into bed, and it was an amazing time uh, of just me listening to him, and he would ask questions. And I would always read him a Bible story in his favorite. Anybody want to guess what his favorite Bible story was? Come on. David and Goliath. And when I would tell that story, I would, I would, like, I would get into it. And then that rock hit him in the head, and it sunk into his forehead. Blood was spurting everywhere. He loved it. It was just incredible, you know. And I would have voices, Goliath's voice. It wasn't just... You know, you come at me with a with a with a stone. I count. You know, it, it wasn't like who who is this? You know, uncircumcised Philistine. It, you know, my voice for Goliath would make anybody tremble. You know, Gail would peek her head in the door and she would run out of there, have to go get counseling if she heard that she was so scared over that whole thing. You know, it was like bitter than the movies. But I used to listen to him talk and learn about where he was in his world, and then speak into that world. Listening is learning. If you don't listen, you don't learn. You got two ears and one mouth. That should tell you something about what you should be doing twice as much as what the other thing that you're doing. If you're preaching to somebody, you're not listening to somebody. It's really, really important to take that in. Listen to your heavenly Father first. 
Seek first his advice. Seek first his wisdom in raising those children. Don't let bedtime stories and prayer times go pass you by without getting with God and learning and listening to God and learning what what is it that I need to impart into my child? What is it in his day that happened that maybe we need to take stock of? So how did your day go, son? Well, you know, there was this bully in the in the on the playground and you know he was pushing me and he he called me a poo-poo. And so what did you do back, son? Well, I kicked him and I called him a poo-poo head. And uh and it didn't happen like that, but you know, uh well, but but maybe that's a time for a story on forgiveness. There's a lot of them in the Bible. Joseph and his Technicolor dream cup. Come on, there's so much in there. Maybe it's to, you know, maybe that's a time where you do talk, David and Goliath. You need to smite that giant in the head and uh, and then go to detention. Dad will be proud of. No, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> but uh, you know, but but you need to you need to take stock of that. Also, if you're here and and, and you're a single parent. This is something I learned because my dad was a single parent to, to me and my brother for quite, quite a few years. Honor their, their biological mother where you can. Don't make that person the enemy. Here's a secret. She's always going to be their mother. Even if you're divorced, even if you hate her guts, or the other side around, even if he's like the devil you know, incarnate and, uh, and screwed up in every way and evil, realize it's still the dad. Don't, don't villainize that person. It, it'll do you no good to try to score points and get them over to your side and explain to a, 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 you know, a five-year-old brain or an 11-year-old brain about, you know, where that person was the enemy and all that. They'll grow up. They'll work it all out. Just talk, speak up, and pray it up. Pray it up and where you can be honorable to that person. And if you can't say anything at all, then don't say anything. But don't talk them down and don't villainize them and, and, and demonize them and, and, you know, make them the enemy of your child and confuse their, their brain. You don't need to do that. God's big enough to be on your side when you start to pray and forgive that person and watch the Spirit of God do something amazing. What point is it if the kid grows up hating the other side and never has a relationship and that person dies and goes, goes to hell? What point is it? There's no point in it. So we sing Amazing Grace, but we forget the author, John Newton, and what he did and what he was guilty of that he said, Amazing Grace that saved a wretch like me. Is not the wretch perhaps the wretch that brought your child into this world on the other side of the biological equation? Is not that person worthy of the amazing grace that God extended on John Newton and people like you and I? So let's extend it. So we extend it through prayer. We honor them wherever we can. And then we protect our family. I believe that it's a father's duty to protect. It's what we're created for. You say, how do you protect? When they get of an age where they're going to date, you know who they're dating. I was talking to a champion father yesterday about, you know, his dad's in the motorcycles. He grew up in the motorcycles and, you know, the, the whole thing. And now his son... Uh, his children are you know, old enough to have little bikes and stuff, and, and, and you know, there's opportunities now for, 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 for their kids to go over to you know, somebody else's house and ride bikes and you know, motocross or whatever it is, junior kind of league and everything else. But you know, 
taking it slowly. Got to know those parents. Got to know that they have the same respect for this. So my son's not going to go over there, get injured because, you know, they're drop kicks, having a few beers and, you know, sharing it with the kids and put the eight-year-old on the motorbike or something. No, that's not going to happen because they're responsible for protecting their children. We are there to protect our families, man. We are there to make sure that porn doesn't come into the equation and stuff everything up. We are there to make sure that our children know how to honor girls uh, and, and honor women and not do what the world is doing so much now there's got to be whole movements now out to stop all of that. Why should the women have to rise up in our society and do the job that really a father should do? Protect your children. Protect them against any danger, whether it's outward or inward. It's our job to be a protector, not just a provider, but it also is a job to be a provider as well. So our country has an epidemic of disrespectful young men and young women, I might add, with low self-esteem. So we're bombarded with promiscuity and bombarded with disrespect for authority and, and, uh, and showing people, showing your children how to respect authority, how to honor people in authority, how to be respectful even though they don't always deserve it. But a, but a successful father always protects their children no matter what. Somebody once said concerning dad, he's a big, hairy, a big, hairy, lovable guard dog. Ferocious when required, but gentle, loving, and loyal to the very end. I love that. Great description of a father that's supposed to be a protector. Well, I'm just about out of time, but yeah, I'll throw these in very, very quickly, but I believe that you need to be a friend of your children's friends. It's one of the smartest things that I ever did as a dad. I got to know who the friends were, and I took it the extra mile, and I got to know who the friend's parents were. That's one of the wisest things I did because over time, as children get older, they start to spend more time with their friends than they do you. Sometimes they're over their friends' houses with the parents there. So get to know them. Be a friend. Don't be afraid to discipline. I, I, you know, I used to hear, wait until your father comes home, and that was through aunts that raised me and, you know, um, uh, foster care and others and stepmothers, you know, you just wait till, you, if I had to hear, just wait till your dad got home, I was going to get a size 14 steel-toed uh, safety shoe right up my backside, so I knew that, and discipline was going to happen, discipline is a good thing, not that way, you don't kick your kids, uh, but you still have to discipline them and be disciplined yourself, the root word for disciple is, guess what, it's discipline, and then, uh, of course, leading your children spiritually, so that you don't just become the legend that they can't live up to, but you leave a legacy by your behavior, your example through imitating Christ. Your legacy is what you hand down more than your legend for them to live up to. And the final thing, I'd like the uh, team to come back up. Thank you. We're going to have communion. The, the, the final thing that I, I really want you to grab a hold of is authority. Again, fatherhood means uh, another word for a father is an author. Abraham, father of our author of our faith. Somebody authors something they're referred to as the father. And with authorship comes authority. The author of the book has authority because he wrote the book. You have authority because you fathered or 
mother, because you're a parent, you have authority. You've got the rights and the privileges and the authority of the author when it comes to raising those children. Don't ever, ever forget your authority. You've got authority over demons. You've got authority over evil. You've got authority over everything the devil's trying to throw at your kids. And you can dig in in prayer and you can use your mouth. If you know the authority that Christ Jesus gave you, all authority has been given to me in heaven and and on earth, Jesus said, now you go. You go, dad. You go, mom. And you exercise that authority. Don't you dare bow your knee to circumstances and darkness of this world and say, that's just the way it's going to be. No, it's not. You get on your knee instead of saying that's the way it's going to be, and you bombard heaven on behalf of those children, and then you stand up, and you protect them with your mouth, and you declare things prophetically over their life, and watch what God does to turn that around. I've watched wayward children come back to Christ because of the authority that God's given me. Amen and amen. I'd like you to stand up. Give the Lord a hand clap this morning. Happy Father's Day. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.